Well, welcome back, everybody, to A1 School Leaders podcast on school turnaround or promoting public schools and private education uh, wherever you may be. Today's podcast, we are going to talk about curriculum and frameworks for a a said state. Uh, We're going to take a look at the framework and we're going to talk about the taking the curriculum, transforming the curriculum from theory into practice, a whole school um, improvement plan that I think that, that, that many educators out there can take and utilize to be um, successful wherever you are. Um, it's one thing to understand the theory, but it's another to be able to turn the theory into practice. Uh, many academic uh, social science researchers out there have a plethora of knowledge on theorizing what is effective for schooling, uh, what is not effective for schooling, uh, but we struggle with turning that theoretical framework into an actual practicum. And uh, that's why uh, I call myself a practitioner, and many of you call yourself a practitioner. So today we're going to be taking district framework, statewide uh, frameworks, and we're going to turn the curriculums from a theoretical approach into practices. Frameworks across the states here in America are ever-changing. Public schools across the nations are facing these changes in rapid style. Teachers, curriculum makers, administrators, and stakeholders are held accountable for wide student success more than any time or ever in our educational movement of the 21st century. We can go back to the 1960s when President Lyndon Johnson uh, uh, did the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, the, the original uh, elementary and secondary act. We can also go back to 1983 with the Nation Exi- uh, Risk Report, 2001 with the No Child Left Behind Act, uh, then 2008 with a race to the top, and, and, and we go through 2009 with Common Core, and um, then in 2013 we 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 shift to the College and Career Readiness. So we've had very very um, controversial and yet very demanding um, systematics thrown at us. One of the most controversial issues in public education has resolved around the frameworks that are taught. In short, these questions never cease when we then transition to discuss curriculums. The curriculum is taking of subjects and preparing it for its development and, and, and dispersion within classrooms. That, that, that have a lasting impression on students. There is no one direct precise definition for the word curriculum. I think the key to curriculum is the artistic framework that that said teacher develops that can bridge the gaps of all students within that classroom. Um, some of the issues around those curriculums is what is a curriculum? What is it for? Who is it for? Who should make curricular decisions? And how should these decisions then be made? We're going to explore um, those 
an analysis of those above, those questions there that we just mentioned. Again, we have to ask ourselves, what exactly is curriculum? What is it for? Who is it for? Who should make curricular decisions? And how should these decisions be made? We're going to talk about turning the curricular approaches from theory to a practice. We're going to take theoretical frameworks and we're going to embrace them into a practicum framework. The identification of how the the, the specific curriculum adheres to each individual district is going to be different uh, in scope, but the sequence will remain the same. Upon um, identifying this approach, uh, we're going to take a look at some different curricular approaches. And uh, we're going to come across some common places and common languages of teaching. Uh, And we're going to explore those. So getting started, we've got to understand the selection of curriculums or the selection of frameworks. Each state has the autonomy to either um, develop their own curriculum or or adopt a already uh, regulated curriculum uh, or set of frameworks. Not curriculum, but a set of frameworks. One particular district uh, in the South um, have they have about 27,000 students in the school district. Uh, once a thriving, highly ranked district, now sits at the bottom of 143 districts within the, within the said state. High poverty rates, lack of parental involvement, and more prominent issues such as the frameworks and or the curriculums that are designed are just a few causes for these issues. That local school district is currently mandated by the said state to teach a framework that aligns very close uh, to the college and career readiness standards, the college and career standards that are uh, prominent throughout the United States. These standards are, once again, keyword, bureaucratically driven and standardized assessments are evaluated each year to hold not only those school teachers, but administrators all accountable for uh, the instruction that takes place. Um, Systematic bureaucratic driven curriculums or frameworks derives from a standards-based approach and is mirrored to that as factories to produce students year in and year out. It is a systematic approach. It's a pipeline. It's a factorial production. We're going to process these students annually. We're going to try to meet these modifications. And if they don't, we're going to continuously push them through. It's frowned upon, but so is as true as it is. Many districts do not like to risk failing any child due to the all outsets that may occur in that the the escape go that many leaders uh, and stakeholders address is if a, if a child fails it's the teacher's fault well in a sense it, it can be viewed as that but in another perspective that not necessarily true this 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 approach to this identification of this district that we were going to discuss, uh, we said already mirrors a systematic curriculum approach and it's supported and mandated by a state agency approved by the governor. It is business driven and calls for standardized assessment that follows a standards based approach to teaching and learning. This systematic curriculum. 
this systematic framework initially was uh, motivated several years ago by President George Bush uh, and, and the No Child Left Behind Act. Hence, it led the way for reform of the frameworks and curriculums to the 21st century. Uh, to achieve the goal, students, uh, to, to achieve these standards, the um, government leaders argued to utilize a scientific-based research platform that led to specific control groups, uh, gr- group studies which were completed by the systematic standardized assessments. These assessments then were designed with a research approach that utilized rigorous instruction with a systematic and objective procedural format to obtain a a reliable, valid knowledge. This was driven uh, by a business mindset that can be explained on the cover of a magazine. Uh, According to Chief Magazine, in 2005, said, American schools are broken. Here's what CEOs are doing to fix them. Uh, so you could take that title of Chief Magazine uh, that stated, American schools are broken. Here's what chief executive officers are doing to fix them. Uh, let that sink in. Think about that for a moment. The initial role of systematic frameworks was to engage business formalities inside the classroom. The systematic framework also called for standardized assessments that would hold all common places in education accountable. In 2009, as we stated earlier, the rise of common core movements arose not from practicing public educators or from leaders within the higher education, but from political leaders, business leaders such as Bill and Melinda Gates. Hence, bridging public education to the business world. To achieve this, these standardized assessments were placed to manage the learning that took place. Um, Dr. John Franklin Bobbitt, uh, a resounding educational um, professor in, in administration, stated that curriculum developers should look at the activities of adults for its material when deciding what should be taught. Um, I think that we can we can say that these curriculum developers looked at what adults were doing um, in everyday life to decide what we should teach our students. Um, The vision allowed the beginnings of this systematic approach to curriculum. Uh, However, this particular school district and many, many school districts across the nation failed to master the curricular traditions or the framework traditions. So because of that, we had a Uh, We had to learn how to engage in a new approach um, to improve districts. Um, Another tradition of teaching and learning should be explored, a curricular approach. And it's what we call the deliberative curriculum. Um, Dr. William Reed, a philosopher of curriculum uh, and instruction, discussed that curriculums as both an institution and practice that allows for a moral philosophy to utilize when creating such curriculum. The curriculum or framework should be an ongoing activity that should not be controlled by any one group of people. The deliberative curriculum must obtain immediate decisions that require hasty actions. This tradition enforces a whole lot of theory in action. 
Theoretic knowledge informs practical reasoning. I need you to let that seek in. Theoretical knowledge informs practical reasoning, but it does not control what the practitioners do. I need you to understand that. Let me say that again. Theoretic knowledge informs practical reasoning, but it does not control what practitioners do. Theory and practice inform one another as curriculum um, makers work toward the goal of a universal education. There are some common places of teaching that I want to share with you tonight that I think would be uh, help you kind of grasp this. The five common places you're going to have teachers, learners, and the students, the subject matter, the context, and the, the making of the curriculum. Teachers, learners, subject matter, con- context, and curriculum making. Of these five, Two of these categories are distinguished in the fact that teachers and curriculum makers are the most significant in reaching students through that said curriculum. School districts could improve their effectiveness by implementing the deliberative curriculum approach. The first approach um, emphasized that curriculum should be ongoing and decisions are immediate and actions must be taken quickly. This can only be done with those commonplace of teachers. Teachers must be consulted first because they're the ones that are aware of the culture of the students that they embody and the realities that are inside those classrooms. The teacher can create these lessons that are most needed by their students and can quickly do so if needed. The deliberative curriculum also serves as a teacher advocacy component, which has been missed in several other trends of curriculums, but teachers are afforded an opportunity to teach what they feel is best for those students. Teachers can teach a standard, but also be creative and teach what they feel is appropriate for that specific learner. More individualized plans for specific learners. Assessments can be utilized to help guide that instruction, and I I want you to understand something. We always talk about data-driven, data drives our instruction, data drives our instruction. Data drives interventions, enrichments, and reteaching of students who do not master a standard. Standards, pacing guides, and and the core of the framework drives the instruction. Let me say that again. Data drives the enrichment, the reteaching, and the modification of instruction. Data does not drive initial instruction. Standards and frameworks and pacing guides drive that instruction. Also, in um, the commonplace of curriculum making. Curriculum makers need to be considered that the most important curriculum making of the deliberative tradition is best described um, by stressing the importance that students are all at different commonalities. They share some commonalities, but they're different. He continues to emphasize that curriculum contains ideas that holds communities. I, I believe that curricular Different curriculum formats contain certain ideas that holds communities together as well as school communities. 
Liberal education would be ever-changing and only mirrors trending publics of the time. Uh, liberal education is not suitable while you're trying to teach a adolescent how to be successful in college or the workforce because liberal education changes with each trend that, 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 that horizons itself on the spectrum. The curriculum-making component would allow curriculum makers and developers uh, to create a curriculum that is liberal and allow students to learn how to be liberated in a society. Okay, Curriculum-making is the tradition that affords state assessments and standards and also to be recognized and has its place in curriculum-making. This tradition can also bridge the gap of other teaching strategies that are best suitable for the student population within schools across the nation. No two schools adopt the same cultures. I need you to understand that uh, when you're trying to make decisions that are best for children, you've got to understand that the, the being able to utilize your theory to help guide your thought process is one thing. But turning it into practice is a completely different approach. And I wanted you to understand that we currently in the nations uh, are following a systematic, bureaucratic-driven society when we talk about standards and assessments. But we need to get step away from that and shift towards a deliberative curricular approach, which is more specific and ideal to the students which are inside the brick and mortar. And uh, if we do that, we then can branch away from the brick and mortar and uh, become innovative in the ways that we teach and, and have our um, schooling uh, here in the United States of America. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, <clears throat> I, I wanted to keep this under a 20-minute period span for this podcast, but thank you so much for, we talked about turning theory into practice, the, 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 the expounding upon deliberative curriculums to help move and, and advance uh, public schools across the nation. Uh, if you um, like this podcast, please like it and share it and uh, send it on its way. Also, um, try to um, to like my page. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 81schoolleader, uh, Instagram, 81schoolleader. Uh, and um, I will look forward to connecting with you there. Hope everybody has a great week of July 4th. This is a quiet time of school years. We're transitioning, closing out 2018-19 school year. Going to break for a week and uh, many schools across the nation will gear up around the 8th or 10th of July and, and begin prepping for their 2019-2020 school year. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great 4th of July. Happy Independence Day uh, and God bless all of you.